And you just let me know when you want me to start. Yeah, I'm going to introduce you and we'll get going. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Kyra Mann, CEO of MitoAction, and we thank you all for joining us for today's presentation, New Therapies, How Do We Know What We Know and Why We Should Care, with our guest speaker, Dr. Jerry Bockley. Today's presentation will be recorded and available on the MitoAction website in the coming days. We encourage you to ask questions throughout the presentation using the Q&A feature at the bottom of your screen. If you're calling in via phone, feel free to submit your questions to us directly um, on email using info at mitoaction.org. We will do our best to get through as many questions as possible. If you are following along via phone, you can access the presentation slides at www mitoaction.org slash resources slash clinical trials. So we are honored to have with us today, Dr. Jerry Bockley. Dr. Bockley is internationally recognized as a leader in the field of inborn errors in metabolism and fatty acid oxidation disorders research. He joined Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh as chief of the Division of Medical Genetics in 2004 and was named professor of pediatrics at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine and professor of human genetics at the university's graduate school of public health. Prior to joining Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, Dr. Vockley was at Mayo Clinic School of Medicine where he was engaged in teaching, clinical service and research. At Mayo, he earned a reputation as an exceptional clinician establishing Mayo's Inborn Errors of Metabolism Clinic, which is internationally recognized for excellence in the diagnosis and care of patients with those disorders. At the Mayo Clinic School of Medicine, he served as an assistant professor in medical genetics and as an associate professor of medical genetics before being named professor of medical genetics and chair of the Department of Medical Genetics in 1999. Among his accomplishments as an educator, Dr. Vockley initiated the development of a continuing education curriculum to update all staff physicians at Mayo in molecular biology and genetics and encourage them to incorporate genetic information in their routine clinical practice. Dr. Vockley's long record of groundbreaking, groundbreaking research has earned him distinction in his field. His integrated approach to the study of inborn errors of fatty acid, beta oxidation, and branch change amino acid metabolism has led to the, to the discovery of several new genes in the metabolic pathways and redefined these critical cellular processes. His laboratory has identified and characterized the molecular basis of three new inborn errors of metabolism in recent years. Dr. Vockley is board certified in pediatrics, clinical genetics, and biochemical molecular genetics. He has published more than 70 articles in leading genetic and biochemical journals and has received numerous honors for his work. Dr. Vockley chairs the NIH advisory board that oversees the human genetic cell repository for the National Institute of General Medical Science and is an associate editor of molecular genetics and metabolism. Most recently, he was elected Biochemical Genetics Director of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics, where he is a founding fellow. 
Dr. Vakli also founded the International Network for Fatty Acid Oxidation Research and Man Management, otherwise known as INFORM, in order to promote research and discussion into the cause, diagnoses, and management of fatty acid oxidation disorders. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Jerry Vakli. Thanks for that, uh, for that introduction. I do have to give you some updates on that though. So remind me the next time around. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tweak it a little bit, but um, uh, I, I, I appreciate uh, the, the, the introduction. And, and this will be a little bit of a different um, talk today because I'm not really going to talk about new therapies. I'm gonna talk about the second half of the title, which is how do we know what we know and why should you care? I know why I care. Uh, and and, uh, and, the, and, and and you'll see why this is important as we as we go forward. I'll, I'll try to leave as much time as possible for questions. I don't think this is going to take much more than a half an hour. I really trimmed it down to try to make sure we had time uh, for questions. Uh, and for those of you who are looking for um, more information about some of the research that's going on in the in this area and, and, and in my laboratory. Um, I'll give uh, Kyra an advanced plug, and that is there will be a, a, uh, a, a, a family um, a program this summer uh, that, that, I'll, that I'll be presenting at, although unfortunately not live, it'll be recorded, uh, where I'll be able to talk about some of those as well. So uh, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a uh, heads up and, and hope you'll be able to, to, to join us for that one. Um, so let's 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 talk about this. Why why should you care about 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 how we how we figure out how drugs work? Because that's really the question here. Um, and uh, let me just uh, my 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 disclosures. A lot of research funding, and I do consult for uh, a number of of uh, pharmaceutical companies who are interested in 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 rare diseases. So let's start with a quiz. You didn't think this was going to be a a a, a, a Tough, uh, a tough uh, session, did you? Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add, I'll read this scenario and then we'll ask you a couple of questions about it, actually only one. So everybody's been talking on the internet about a new supplement. It's available over the counter. You can get it from a variety of, su of suppliers. Some families have tried it and they rave about it. They say, oh, it gives their child way more energy than before they tried to start it. Others have said, eh, maybe not so much. Um, doesn't seem to be a lot published uh, about it uh, in the medical literature. You Google it the way you would do uh, anything about uh, uh, your, your, your life, it seems, these days. Um, and, and, and so which statement of the following best describes your feeling on trying this new supplement? Okay, here it goes. Number one, I have to try it because it makes a difference. Number two, I'll do some more reading and make up my mind about trying it after that. Number three, I'll ask my doctor his or her opinion on trying a new supplement. We know everything, right? We'll, we'll tell you what to do. Um, number four, the skeptic. I can't see how something like that will work, so I won't try it. Or number, uh, number five, I, I would be very interested in participating in a clinical trial. Well, based on the topic, uh, the, the title of this talk, I, I doubt that you'll have, um, oh, I had this built. I'm supposed to click all the colors here. Okay. Um, uh, it, won't, it won't be surprising to you um, that I say that the answer is number five. I would be very interested in participating in a clinical tri trial. Why should you do that? 
All right. <clears throat> Everything you do in taking care of your child or yourself, if you're an adult with a fatty acid oxidation patient, should be based in evidence. We sometimes have strong evidence, we sometimes have weak evidence, but you need evidence to, 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 to direct your, 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 your therapy. It's not good enough to say, I think, or my doctor thinks, or my mother or father thinks, or, 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 or even mitoaction thinks. You really wanna know what's the, what's the right approach. And, 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 and basically, anything I can tell you outside of a clinical trial is an anecdote. It's my experience. And the plural of anecdote is not data. I can only tell you what I see in front of me when I tell you about my patients. And sure, I see a lot of patients with these disorders. It's been my specialty for many years, um, and I think I know a lot about it. Um, but I'll tell you, I've been surprised. Things that I thought were right, and, and then, you know, five years later, ten years later, we do something to show uh, that that uh, maybe we should have been doing something different. Um, and 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 so, whenever you think about um, looking at into a new therapy, you you, you want to uh, identify how strong are the data that that therapy does or does not work. <coughs> Excuse me, dealing with allergies here, so I'm going to take advantage of my lovely MitoAction mug. Get yours from Kyra. Uh, we're gonna talk about levels of medical evidence. Um, how do I evaluate medical evidence? How do, does the field evaluate medical evidence when we, when we think about uh, clinical trials? And how do we sort out opinion from fact? So level one, this is the, 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 still the standard for, for clinical trials. This is a randomized, double-blind, placebo-control uh, trial. Neither you nor your doctor know what you or your child, if, it, if you're a parent, um, is getting. Um, and that way, there's absolutely no bias in evaluating whether what you're getting is helping or not. And if it's helping and you ended up getting the placebo, it's a placebo effect. It's not the drug itself. Um, level two is divided into three, <coughs> three sections. Um, the first, hang on a second, I grab a lozenge here. There we go. Um, uh, the, the, the first um, is, is a controlled trial, but without randomization. Um, and so in that setting, um, it, you can think about it as um, I make a decision based on some criteria, whether you're going to grow go into group A or group B. And it may or may not be placebo, but it's not, it's not randomized. Um, the second level uh, or the second subgroup of level two is something called um, uh, a cohort or, or case control uh, study. And, and, and here I talked about my experience with a large group of patients with, in this case, fatty acid oxidation disorders. Um, and, and so that's a cohort. 
And I can tell you all of my experience and I can tell you how I've collected that experience. So you have some idea of how that data were, were, were obtained. But better yet, um, there are lots of physicians around, lots, some physicians around the country who also take care of patients with these disorders. Um, what if they publish their information and another group publish their information? Now you've got three or four or five groups all saying, the same thing, you have a little bit of a better uh, feeling that maybe it's right. The final group in this level um, are, are um, uh, uh, also sort of uh, um, uh, split in, 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 in half. Um, and, and here um, we, we have uh, uh, multiple series of, of, of patients where we're not doing an intervention, but we're just giving, giving information about it. So this is kind of like a natural history study. The other part that falls into this section are um, dramatic results in an uncontrolled trial. Um, there have actually been instance, instances where it was so obvious that a medication worked in one or two or three patients that the FDA has approved a drug. Um, it's definitely the exception, but it happens. And then level three, way on the bottom, the opinion of respected authorities. That's me, right? So I'm lousy evidence for, for doing a, a for, for, for you to decide on, on whether a, 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 you, you want to try a drug uh, or have your child try a drug. Um, in some cases, it may be the best you have. There may not be any controlled trials. And in that case, um, <coughs> excuse me, in that setting, what we end up doing um, is trying to get lots of experts together and put together clinical guidelines based on consensus. And that's okay, but you just have to keep in mind that it's still opinion, it's not fact. And if something changes tomorrow, the opinion can change. Whereas facts, hmm, I better not get myself in trouble in this day and age, facts don't change. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so, Let's talk about this a little bit. Oh, this is another one of those where I was supposed to be advancing the, the, the slides. Okay, there you go. Nice, nice graphics. Um, I wonder if I'm supposed to do it here too. I'll bet I am. Um, so once you've evaluated the evidence, um, how do you know um, what you're supposed to do? Um, there is um, a, 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 um, a a set of, of, of recommendations for doing that. And the first, there you go, see it works. I'm trainable, isn't that good? Um, the, uh, and that is uh, a level A recommendation uh, that, that comes out of um, uh, a, a, an expert or an expert group, um, says that there is strong evidence that benefits substantially outweigh the potential risks. I'll use a current example, COVID vaccine. If you haven't gotten your COVID vaccine, go get it. Don't be hesitant. There is strong evidence that benefits far outweigh the potential risks. Um, in fact, the risks are really, really small. Um, you get it, get it for your children who, are, who are, are, are old enough, 12 or older. Level B evidence, fair scientific evidence that benefits outweigh the potential risks. So here, the experts are making a little bit of a judgment call. They're saying, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's right. 
Um, it could be stronger. We could have more patients. We could have another study, whatever. But it looks pretty good. And so level A and level B recommendations are pretty strong, and you probably want to give those serious consideration. Level C, the balance between benefits and risk is too close for making a general recommendation. Oops, I'm supposed to be pushing buttons here. There we go. That was B. That's C. Um, and in that case, you probably don't want to commit yourself or your child to doing that, uh, that, that, uh, that treatment or trying that medication because we just don't know. It's easy to calculate the risks. It's sometimes hard to recognize the benefits. And in that setting, the best thing that you can do is say, if it looks like it might work, but we're not sure, tell me about a clinical trial. That's where we're going with this. Level D, the risks outweigh the potential benefits. Run the other direction. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want that anything to do with that drug. And then um, level I. Don't tell me why. Ask me why they went to I. Uh, I think it means inconclusive. Um, but there's lack of evidence. Uh, in other words, risk versus benefits cannot be assessed. Why would you even consider doing um, uh, a, a trial for something like that? Well. Mostly, that's in the very early stages of clinical drug development. So you could look at evidence from my laboratory, from somebody else's laboratory, and say, well, they do studies in that laboratory that make me really think that that's going to work. And really what that means is I think they're going to work, and I'm now trying to go to the FDA and say, let me do a clinical trial because I would never try that drug on you and except under extraordinary circumstances. And without, of course, a lot of discussion and, and, and talking about um, the, 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 um, uh, the potential benefits without really knowing much about the risks. Um, so that's the, uh, uh, the, 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 earliest, uh, the earliest stages. So when you when you when you start a clinical trial, um, recognize uh, that there are are um, three main steps before clinical approval or formal approval by the FDA, and then one after that. And everybody's now used to the FDA. Uh, this is you know we've been hearing all about these COVID vaccines and 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 and, and what up what's what's temporary approval, what's permanent approval. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what those phases are. In, in phase one, um, really what this is, uh, in, in, I'll call it in, in, in most cases, uh, it's, it's, it's drug metabolism. It's looking at how the drug, which we've now tested in the laboratory, we've probably tested it in animal models, um, how does that translate into people and what's the right dose? Most often this is done in healthy volunteers. Why would somebody volunteer for something like that? Well, it actually pays pretty well. So it happens. Um, in, in rare diseases, that phase may or may not happen um, because our drugs can be fairly um, invasive uh, and, 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 uh, and, and the FDA would never say try it in a healthy volunteer. Um, and so you go to what's called a phase one, two blended trial um, where 
you're you're still trying to figure out what the what the right the, the right dose is. You're probably still doing drug metabolism um, studies, um, but typically these would be open label studies. Maybe they're blinded um, for for a short period of time, but they're done in the target population, the population with the disease, and we're trying to monitor both safety and efficacy. Phase one is largely safety, and because it's in healthy volunteers, you have no idea of what's, what's happening um, in terms of efficacy. You might go from a combined phase one, two to a formal phase two, um, uh, the, the, but, but if, if, the, if the, the evidence of that phase one, two is strong enough, you might go straight to a phase three or another one of these blended phase two, phase three. Um, <coughs> phase three, is the, the a randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial that we talked about uh, in, the, uh, in the last slide. That is, you treat the patients who are, have the disease and you watch for safety and for efficacy. If there's clear evidence of efficacy, you get approval for the drug after extensive discussions with the FDA. Um, in, in, common diseases, those drugs can be, those, those trials can be, for drugs can be quite large. Um, you've heard about, about trials of hundreds of thousands of patients um, or tens of thousands of patients for COVID vaccine. Um, in, in rare diseases, sometimes that trial can be as few as a dozen patients. Sometimes it's only one or two, as I talked about previously. Sometimes um, it may be as many as 30 or, uh, or, 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 or more. So um, it, it varies depending on how rare the disease is and how great the clinical need is. Once a drug uh, for uh, rare diseases is approved, because the evidence is strong enough to say, it looks like it's working, um, but we still haven't tested a lot of patients to know what the, long, what, what the safety of it is. Um, most of the time, the FDA approves it with the uh, proviso that you do what's called a post-marketing study or a phase four study uh, where you follow patients long-term after starting on the drug. You're still paying for it as it's, a, as it's an approved drug, but you're getting follow-up care to see whether or not there's any um, uh, uh, risks or, or uh, side effects that haven't been identified um, in, a, in a previous, uh, in, in the clinical, clinical trial. And sure enough, I should have been pu pushing this button all along. Um, the the, um, the the best example that we have of the success of this kind of of, of procedure um, is in childhood cancer, and cancer in general. But but keep in mind that the childhood cancer regardless of the kind of cancer it was, was almost uniformly fatal in the 1960s. And, and if you look at childhood leukemia as a really good example of this process, um, the, the, um, uh, the, 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 the current overall survival rate in, 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 in childhood cancer is now 75%, it's probably higher. Um, than, than that, because this is a slightly awesome old data. Um, but but um, some cancers in childhood leukemia in particular um, has a nearly 100% cure rate. Um, how do we do that? Um, well, you do that through clinical trials. How do you do clinical trials for rare diseases? You do that um, through a collaborative group. The Children's Oncology Group, um, or COG, um, has, has, has been in business in some way, shape, or form now for, uh, well, since the 60s. 
Um, and, and, and they um, work with centers all across the country. Uh, and when a child is diagnosed with a cancer, the oncologist who's treating that uh, child um, has ready access to a clinical trial where that, where that child is assigned to current best practice. So nobody gets no care. You always get standard of care and then one more thing. Um, and that's what a clinical trial is. Uh, and, and that's the way, uh, that's the way to move forward. Um, and, and in rare diseases like our, our, our fatty acid oxidation disorders, we, sh we really need to be talking about national studies. As I said, all individuals with, uh, should have access to standard of care. And then you get standard of care plus one variable. If that variable, that new, new therapy proves to be better than standard of care, then that switches to standard of care. Once you, once you get um, um, uh, beyond that, uh, you start the next, the next study. Constant feedback um, uh, to, to a coordinating center and you incorporate successful um, uh, changes and you discard the unsuccessful ones. So lots of national studies, lots of partnerships. Inform, uh, Kyra, um, uh, I'll talk to you about in the beginning um, is the one that we're using as a platform to look at, at uh, uh, fatty acid oxidation disorders. Uh, but there are other ones you probably, uh, many of you might, uh, if, you're, if you're part of MitoAction, might know of NAMDAC, that's for respiratory chain deficiencies. I do a lot of work with the National PKU Alliance, which works on PKU. Um, and uh, I throw Moderna up there because I've got clinical trials with Moderna. I'm trying to develop one for, for um, uh, VLCAD deficiency, uh, but you can, you can see this is, there, there, there are lots of, lots of those. Now, there are some um, misplaced beliefs that I, I, I just have to talk to you about. Um, and, and, and these really surround the issue of placebo. People are scared of placebos for some reason. They say, well, I, 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 don't, I don't want to take a placebo. I want the real treatment. But keep in mind that if I don't know this drug works, I, I can't tell you that it's the right treatment, that it's going to be better. It could, in fact, be worse. That's why we do the clinical trial. So you'll get standard of care. But if you, if you want to be in a clinical trial, um, you have to be willing to accept a placebo. Now, there are some clinical trials with rare diseases that don't have placebos. So, you know, this will, there'll, there'll, there'll be variations on this theme, and you can talk to your, 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 whoever you're talking to about clinical trials um, uh, 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 about that. Um, so um, just, just knock, that, knock that concept out of your head. A clinical trial doesn't say you might get something that's better and you might get something that's worse. You, the, 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 the drug might be better, it might not. Well, how about, I don't want to be a guinea pig or I don't want my child to be guinea pig. I, I, I can't dissuade you of that if that's your feeling. Um, I, I hope that you'll recognize that when somebody in my position brings a clinical trial to you, it's because we think there's a genuine chance that, it, that, the, that, the, that the, the drug really works. There's really good laboratory data. There's really good animal data. We may even have early human data that says it works. So I'll talk to you about that. I'll talk to you about what's the... Um, 
uh, what's the, 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 the reason for the clinical trial? Um, and then what, um, uh, uh, why, why we either are or we aren't using a placebo in that, in that trial, okay? Um, and, then, and then finally, um, and I realize that I'm, I'm doing this backwards, but there is a reason for that. Um, uh, I, 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 a, a, lot of, a lot of folks, when they think about clinical trials, will say to me, well, I, I don't want to be in a clinical trial. I just want to try it. It, it won't hurt, but it might help. And, and the problem is it might hurt. And if it hasn't been tried in enough patients, then you don't know what the side effects of that drug are going to be. And, 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 and the only way to determine that is through a, a, clinical, uh, a clinical trial. So in the, in the end, um, um, why should you uh, participate in a clinical trial? Well, it's the only mechanism for obtaining FDA approval for a new drug. If you don't participate in a clinical trial, then there will be no treatments. There will be no proven treatments. We might be able to pull off the off the counter uh, things that might or might not work, um, but they won't be FDA approved, uh, and 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 you won't know whether or not they work because they haven't been tested. Now, uh, there aren't FDA approved treatments for most rare genetic diseases. Uh, we just got our first drug approved for long chain fatty acid oxidation disorders this past year. Um, the very first one. And it was approved because there were clinical trials to show that it had a positive effect. Um, that of course is, is, is triheptanoin if, you've, uh, if you're on it as with a long chain fatty acid oxidation disorder. The only way that was approved uh, was through uh, a, a clinical trial. So how should you think about participating in a clinical trial? I absolutely do not want you to go into a clinical trial blind. Um, and I will, I will never let you go into a clinical trial blind if you come and talk to me about a clinical trial. You need to know the purpose of the trial. What does the drug do? What symptom is it addressing? How might it make you feel better if it works? I'm not promising it works, but if it works, what, what do we expect? Um, and, 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 um, in, in, this is this. This can be both a, a, a general. I think it'll make you feel better because, um, or it could be very specific. I think it'll cause what what we're doing is we're changing this small thing about metabolism, and here's why it's going to make. Here's why it's going to work. Once you've thought you've thought about it, and you say, "Yeah, I think I'm interested," you've got to know the logistics. You might have to travel um, if you're in Pittsburgh and you want to be in a trial that I'm doing, no worries. But if you're in, in um, North Dakota and you want to do a trial and the only places that are doing it are Utah, Chicago, and Pittsburgh, well, you're going to have to get on a plane or in a car anyway, uh, and you're going to travel. Um, can you do this at home? Do you have to be in a hospital? Are there any procedures? Almost always there's going to be blood drawing. Is there anything else that has to happen? So, Talk that over with, with your physician or with a, 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 a study investigator if you've gone to that uh, step already. 
Now the, 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 the next one is a little bit more difficult um, because uh, what I'm gonna tell you is you have to know the investigators. And, and I'm gonna say that a little bit more broadly. You have to be comfortable that the investigators are known. In other words, um, if you're my patient and you come to a clinical trial for me, no problem. But what if that clinical trial is somewhere else? Or you're coming from somewhere else and you're coming to see me? Well, if you're my patient and you say, I want to go to Los Angeles for this clinical trial, I'm going to say to you, oh, yeah, yeah, Dr. So-and-so is really good. I trust him or her explicitly. I know that trial. Um, if, if you want to consider it, go for it. You know, it, it, you, it's, 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 you're going to be, it's going to be handled well. And I hope that folks in, in, in uh, other places that talk to, talk to you about me will say the same thing. Uh, but, but, but you need that, that uh, uh, seal of approval from somebody you trust that says they trust an investigator if you don't know that investigator um, uh, personally. And, and then finally, and, and probably most importantly, as you get down to the brass tacks and nitty gritty details of the, of, the, of the trial is that you really gotta understand what's being done, what those risks are and what those benefits are. Um, because if you don't know that, then you shouldn't be in the trial. If I can't explain it to you well enough, then you, don't, you, shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be signing a consent form. Um, you should um, know that signing a consent form doesn't mean you're irrevocably um, uh, uh, bound to that study. You, you, first of all, you have a right to, to not be a part of the study. After all, you consider, you can say, nah, I don't think I wanna do that. But if you start a study and you say, I, I just can't do this anymore, for whatever reason, you always have the option of withdrawing without penalty. And by that, that means if you're my patient, you're gonna come back to my regular clinical service, I'm not going to snub you and say, well, you didn't do my trial. I'm going, you know, you're going to have to go see Dr. So-and-so instead. Um, that's just not cool. Um, it's also not allowed. Um, and then, and then uh, uh, finally, as, as, as part of the understanding the procedures in the, in the, in, in, in the, in the study, uh, the, in the consent form, it should be spelled out explicitly whether or not there's any compensation for you to participate in a clinical trial. Sometimes there is. Um, your time is valuable. And if I'm asking you to spend a day in the hospital and you have to take a day off of work, I need to be able to uh, um, uh, uh, cover you for that, uh, that loss of income. And, and so companies who are sponsoring clinical trials will have that built into their budgets. Uh, and, and so uh, number one, never feel uncomfortable about asking if there's compensation. Uh, and, and, and number two, understand what the compensation is. Now, this is not a bribe. It's not, you know, be in this trial, gonna, I'm gonna give you a thousand bucks. No, no, it's, you're, gonna, you're going to be in the hospital for a day. Here's, here's fair value. What the FDA says is fair value for a day. It might not actually be what you make in a day, but it's what the FDA says is fair value. So that's the way that works. Bottom line, participating in a trial is a partnership. It's a partnership between you and the study investigator, and it requires mutual trust. Um, trials aren't always smooth. We have glitches. Uh, there, there may be holds. You heard about holds on, on, the, on, on some of the COVID vaccines. We found a new, a new side effect, and we got to decide whether we, it's safe to keep going. Um, uh, but but um, 
if 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 everybody is working together, we're all paddling it to the to the same to same um, to the same goal. We'll 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 get there, um, and the end result is that everybody will have benefited. You'll 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 be on a drug that that ultimately has been shown to be effective. You, everybody who isn't in the study will benefit from 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 that. Um, uh, from 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 your efforts, and and you should earn a, 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 a thanks from from the from the from community at large of folks who uh, have those uh, um, the, uh, that that disorder. Um, so so I, I hope that that gives you some sense of what a clinical trial is and why I'm so adamant about why why you need to be part of them. Uh, and why I need to be part of them. These aren't easy. They take a lot of work. I take a lot of time, but I still do them because they're important. Um, and, uh, and, and, so, uh, and so I hope that uh, you will too. Uh, as, as you hear about clinical trials coming down the road, um, talk to your docs about them, talk to me about them, and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll partner on whether or not you should do it. And if you do it, um, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you as, as you're doing it. Um, so uh, with that, I'm, I'm going to say thank you, our lovely Children's Hospital here in Pittsburgh. Um, let me get out of uh, this and let me stop the screen sharing and come back to face-to-face um, uh, -face here with uh, Kyra, and I am happy to take your questions. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Buckley. That is really good information. It's interesting because you know, I think about when I was little and you, and you talked about, you know, the cancer treatments and the fatality of being involved in a clinical trial. And I think so many people have set in their mind that being part of the clinical trial is exactly what you said. It's being a guinea pig. But the reality is it's an opportunity to have access to cutting edge therapies that really could be exactly what that patient needs. So we have to, you know, help the community understand that flip in perspective, which is often sometimes hard to do. Um, so this is great information. So can you tell us a little bit about, I know that during COVID um, that's had a significant impact on participation in clinical trials and um, participants being, you know, concerned about going into the hospitals and visits. Can you talk a little bit about some of the safety measures that are in place, maybe specifically with your trials that give our patients a little bit um, greater level of comfort in knowing that they're safe? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, uh, a lot, lot of, lot of, lot of, a lot of information came out yesterday about the need to use these things um, in the medical centers we're still using them. If I walk outside my office door here, I have to put that mask on, no question asked. Um, COVID really interfered with clinical trials. It was really hard. Um, I had one that was interrupted, well, uh, one of our fatty acid oxidation trials, the, the Reneo trial, for those of you who've heard me talk about that, um, we just had to stop it. We, we, we couldn't bring patients here safely. Um, and so we didn't. Uh, if, if you were already on a drug, we were able to get it to you. But um, we 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 really had to had to put a put a stop on things. Um, as uh, things turned around in the first and the second wave, um, we gradually opened back up. We had a better idea of what was going on, what we needed to do to stay safe, um, and 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 we had this 
very, very uh, vigorous back and forth with our research administration um, to decide when it was safe to come back. Um, we, we, we took research studies to the homes as, as much as possible. Um, and, and so we would send visiting nurses to our study uh, patients' homes rather than make them travel here. Now, actually, I'll argue that coming to Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh is probably the safest building you could come to in the city. Um, and and uh, uh, because we're being extraordinarily careful. Um, but, but nevertheless, uh, you know, you still don't want to get on a train, and call, get, get, uh, get on a plane. Um, uh, we, we, we had options available for that. Um, right now, we're basically full time open. Um, we're still we're still doing this. Um, uh, if you're coming from out of the country, you have to quarantine for, for two weeks. There's no getting around that. If you're coming here from from the U.S., you can come straight here. But we will have you wear your mask, uh, and everybody around you will wear a mask, and we'll do all of the disinfecting things that you're used to you're used to hearing about um, uh, in, in in general. So I think we are at a phase now where it is, um, it is safe to participate in clinical trials. I, I'll go back to where I started, get your vaccines. If you've got your vaccine, you can move around safely. You can participate in clinical trials safely. Um, <laughs> you can walk into the emergency room if you've got symptoms and feel safe about it. So there's, 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 there's absolutely no downside to doing that, that, that uh, uh, vaccine. And, and there's every upside in the world to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So if you have a patient that learns about a clinical trial that is not being seen by that particular investigator, what's your recommendation for the best way for that patient to approach getting um, access or involved in that clinical trial? So there are two possibilities here, Kyra. Uh, the, the first um, is there's a good chance that your metabolic doc knows the person who's doing the trial. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I, of course I, I present nationally and internationally at meetings. So I'm always talking to, to physicians about the trials that I'm involved in and vice versa. Um, and there's a pretty good chance that the trial that you're interested in, if it's not at your center, that, that your doc knows the, the people who are doing the trials It's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. However, if you really don't have any into a clinical trial, um, Go to clinicaltrials.gov. The trials are all listed there. If you go there and you, you type in fatty acid oxidation, you'll find every trial on fatty acid oxidation that is currently going on in the United States. Um, no exceptions. Um, <clears throat> the, um, uh, and, and there'll be contact number there. Usually what that does is that gets you a, a study coordinator um, and the study coordinator will give you high level information. So you'll talk to the study coordinator, um, get some information, and then you'll decide whether you're interested in it or not. If you're interested in it or not, then the study coordinator will spend a lot more time talking about it with you. They'll actually send you this consent form. You can read that. Sometimes it's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. We try to make it understandable, but our IRBs are driven by lawyers. And so I'm sorry for those of you who are out there who are lawyers, but they make our lives difficult um, in, in, in when we try to communicate with our, with our patients. So. Um, uh, you can you can you can send your complaints to me about that comment, not to Cairo. Um, <laughs> uh, and 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 um, but but they're there to protect you, so don't give them too hard of it. Don't, uh, uh, don't give them too much grief. Um, but then finally, if you're if you're still interested in it, but you're not hundred percent sure, they'll plug you right into me. I, I will I will talk to you. 
Um, we can set up one of these. We can set up a standard phone call, whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so it's actually not hard. Uh, um, most of us, because these are rare diseases, um, it, it's, it's really hard to fill up a, a 30 or a 40 patient study in a, in a disease where there are only a couple hundred patients in the country. You know, you got to capture a quarter of the people who have the disease. <clears throat> so we really need to, to uh, it's our job to, to, to be accessible to you uh, and help you understand the trial and be interested in participating in it. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, so can you talk a little bit about placebo? You, you mentioned about this, you know, patients receiving the standard of care and then anything above that. Can you explain a little bit more about when you, when you receive a placebo, like what are you actually receiving? Are you receiving a treatment? Are you receiving a non-impactful um, injection or pill or whatever? Can you explain yeah, a little bit? It's, about the, it's, it's the latter. So um, standard of care, let me use um, our, our triheptanoin trial uh, simply because uh, it's, it's near and dear to my heart and uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm still tickled we finally got it uh, approved after about a dozen years of working on it. Um, so there were two different trials in that. One was a, a, a trial um, that, that started with uh, Dr. Melanie Gillingham um, at Oregon and, and, and me. And, and we did that um, completely independent of the company that ultimately picked, picked up the drug and, and, and moved it to the, to the, to the end line. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> Lots of pollens in the air right now. Mm -hmm. um, the the uh, there that that trial was a double blind trial that compared standard MCT oil C8 versus triheptanoin C7 C8 standard of care for long chain fatty acid oxidation disorders. But we didn't want you using your version. We wanted you to use ours just because. We knew it was pure, and we could we 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 could we could we could titrate it exactly. So when you participated in that trial, what we did for you was you came in, you did all the 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 the, the study um, uh, procedures, and then we gave you a bottle. I had no idea what was in that bottle. It was either C7 or it was C8. Um, and you took that bottle home and you used that instead of your usual MCT oil. Um, two months later. You came back, you gave me your empty bottles back so I could see you actually used the stuff. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then uh, we did the same tests again. And we looked to see if you were better with your treatment versus without the treatment. And, uh, or with, the, with, the, with, in this case, with C7 versus C8. Um, and, that, and that was how we proved that C7 was better than C8. Um, the ultragenics trial was open label. So you knew you were getting C7 with that, which is, it caused a little trouble getting it approved at the level of the, of the FDA. Um, the Reneo trial, which is going on now, is uh, a double blind placebo control, or will be uh, the early, the first phase of it was open label because it was just the, the safety uh, uh, and dose range uh, uh, study. But when you start that study, you will be given a bottle of pills. You won't know what that pill is, and I won't know what that pill is. And after, um, uh, come on in, sorry. Uh, 
after um, life goes on, um, uh, after after uh, a period of time, and, and in this case, I think it's six months, but it, we haven't started it yet, so I don't remember exactly. Um, the, uh, well, whatever you've been on, whether it's the placebo, which is a sugar pill in this case, so nothing. You're doing everything you did before you came to the trial, but you're either getting this Reneo drug or you're getting a sugar pill. After six months, um, what will happen is you'll now come back in, you'll give us your old bottle, we'll give you a new bottle. The new bottle will have the drug. Okay. And then we'll compare not only how the patients did when they were either on placebo or the, or the, or the, um, the, the study drug, but we'll also check and see how you do now after uh, we switched your bottle. Now, presumably, if you had the active drug to start with and it's working, it will continue to work and you'll say, well, no different. I feel great. I, I, I feel better than when I, when I still, before I started the drug. And if you were on placebo, now suddenly you're going to get the benefit. You're going to say, oh, wow, now I, I must have been on placebo because now I feel great. But we won't know that until the very end of the trial when we break the code. And then all of the, st the, the statistics get looked at. Um, and, and that gets presented to the, to the uh, FDA and they tell us whether or not the, 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 the data are compelling enough to approve it. Wonderful, that's a, great, that's a great explanation. So one of the questions that came in from a patient is it, uh, with, in regards to electronic informed consent, are there advantages and disadvantages? From a practical standpoint, um, uh, uh, well, no, let me say it differently. From a functional standpoint, I'd say no. Uh, that is, uh, the, if, a, if a, an electronic informed consent has been improved by, your, by, by the studies IRB, they've looked at it and they've said, we think this is adequate to inform patients about the, about the trial. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, uh, and, and so it's okay. Um, if, if, and, and then it's just your personal style. If, you, if, you're, if you're more comfortable to using an iPad versus coming in and signing a form, um, then it's just, it's just up to you. Now, I will say that electronic informed consent, how you actually give your consent is, is not as important as how you get the information about the trial. And for that, I don't believe in electronic. I, you know, you, know, you got to talk to me or you got to talk to one of my study coordinators. I want you to be able to ask questions directly. I want you to be able to get everything you need to know about the trial. Uh, and then I don't care whether you click a box on a computer screen or sign a piece of paper in the end. Right, but it's important to have that opportunity to ask questions. Absolutely. And talk it through, absolutely. So last question. So one of the buzzwords or buzz phrases now in clinical trial is patient-focused drug development. So can you talk a little bit about, right, that we often hear, we hear a lot about the, the, the phased clinical trials where drug is being delivered. But can you talk about the importance of those early parts of trial development where patient input is so important um, and, and meaningful to getting to that yeah. end stage in a drug being developed. Yeah, so I was I was uh, uh, had to stop for a second because there are a couple of potential meanings for that. But the but the but, but the last thing that you said sort of pushes me. I hope in the right direction. Um, the the um, um, what 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 the FDA is asking these days, rightly so, um, is they don't want to see a value on a piece of paper change. They wanna know that patients are doing better because they're getting a new therapy. 
Um, and, and so the, the FDA is mandating for all clinical trials what, 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 are, what are called uh, uh, patient-focused uh, outcomes or patient-relevant outcomes. Um, and and um, go back to my, my, my previous example, you, 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 you get started on a, on a, on a drug um, and, and you say, wow, I feel better. Well, what does that mean? How do we capture that? Um, and and, and uh, it's different for different diseases. And, and so now what typically happens in a, in a rare disease trial is, is that, is that um, uh, uh, companies will, will do, um, it's, it's called a natural history study or a longitudinal study, try to get a better feel for what, what they think the, rele the, 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 the relevant um, clinical endpoints are after collecting information from patients. Um, and then how to capture that information in a clinical trial. It might be uh, a well-being survey, and it might be something as simple as, tell me on a scale from one to five, how do you feel? And you know, before you started this, the trial, you, you, it was one, and now you feel five. Wow, I feel great. We capture that. Um, it might be something as simple as, I can now stand up from my chair, whereas before I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So what we, what we really want to know when we're, when we're looking at outcomes for clinical trials, what's relevant to you as, as a patient with a disease, and how can we bring that into the clinical trial, um, and, 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 and then ultimately uh, take that to the FDA and say, look, the patient's told us this is what's important. We captured it. It's better. Now it's up to you to approve the drug on the basis of that. Instead of your CPK is low or your hemoglobin is higher or whatever it is in, in, the, in the context of a, of a clinical trial. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate that. So one last question, and I, not to get too deep into the woods about the COVID vaccination, but I know one of the hesitations that, that has been on a lot of people's minds is just how quickly the process happened. Um, and so maybe can you talk just a little bit about kind of what does a typical drug approval process look like? How, you know, how many years does it typically take? Um, and kind of what does that look like? Well, I, I, I told you that I was working on triethylene for 12 years before we got it approved. Mm -hmm. uh, that's typical. Um, how do they do it better or faster with, 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 Moderna, with Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson? Well, first of all, they threw hundreds of millions of dollars at it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, you can, you can do a, a lot more, a lot more quickly if you've got a lot of money invested in it. They didn't do phase one, phase two, phase three. They started it basically all at the same time, a little mm -hmm. short phase one, a larger phase two, and then right into phase three. Um, all of those companies were, were already expert at developing the product that they were working on. Moderna, long before they were working on COVID, I was working on them with, with VLCAT deficiency. Mm -hmm. um, so they knew how to make things express at high levels in, in, when they injected it into muscle. Um, and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and so the, 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 um, the real issue here was not could they do it, was, was it safe? Um, and there are two ways to know about safe. One is do a lot of people quickly, and the other is to do a few people and watch them for a long period of time. Um, and given the, 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 the dire uh, consequences of not getting the COVID 
um, a pandemic under control, everybody agreed um, to, to let these things move forward quickly. And when I say they're, they're safe, I, I, you know, um, this is because a lot of people have gotten those in a very, very short period of time. And now the longest people uh, who've, who've had those are out a year um, and, 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 you know, we're not seeing any untoward event. We also know that the, 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 uh, the, the, the way that the, develop, the body develops uh, immunization is very, very similar from one vaccine to the next. So we're not so much worried that this is a brand new therapy using a brand new uh, mechanism of action and we have to worry about what the long-term consequences might be. We'll follow that, they will follow that. But, in the, but, but, but it's, 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 a, it's an extension, it's a small step forward, just done very rapidly yeah. um, and done very well. I, I just, you know, uh, immense respect for both the, the the, the companies that did this, the patients that participated in the clinical trials and the FDA for regulating them as well as they have uh, to, to, to come up with an answer in an extraordinarily short period of time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dr. Vakli, as always, we are so incredibly grateful to you for, I mean, literally your tireless devotion to this community. We talked a little bit before how we got on that you never say no, and we know that you always show up for us. Um, and, and I you know, publicly want you to know how much we truly appreciate all of the work that you put into supporting this community. We truly appreciate it. And I, and I want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure everybody on this call, we truly appreciate you and all that you do for this community. Well, thank you for that, and and and, and uh, it, it goes both ways. I, I appreciate your 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 trust in me and, and your and your willingness to go on these uh, these these journeys uh, uh, when, when I when I come to you with what might sound like a harebrained idea. So uh, we'll we'll keep we'll keep uh, we'll keep the, the path going forward, and uh, and I look Absolutely. forward to uh, uh, being able to talk a little bit more detail about some of these these uh, these opportunities for for participating in trials. Uh, and, and new things coming down the path uh, at, our, at our, uh, our, our summer family meeting. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give everyone, just to make sure everyone's aware, we are hosting our second annual International Metabolic Conference on July 23rd and 25th in partnership with Dr. Vakley and INFORM. And that will be a virtual meeting and you can find more information about that on our website. And we're also excited this year that we're going to have um, language translations. So for those families that are outside of the United States that need different languages, we will have that available as well. So we're excited about the conference. We just um, made public the agenda yesterday. So you can see the agenda and all the incredible speakers that we've pulled together for that conference. So we're really looking forward to that. So, we're at the end. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us for today's expert series. Again, Dr. Vakli, thank you so much. The presentation will be available in the next day or two on the Mito Action website, along with our podcast outlets, which are Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. So everyone, please be safe. If there's anything Mito Action can do to support you, don't hesitate to reach out and have a wonderful weekend. And we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Take care.